Hello and welcome back to episode number 13 of the Dome Zone podcast. Dawson Eisler with you. Mason Nunez is here as well. Uh, we took the bye week off, Mason. I think we needed time to think about what we wanted to say uh, following the loss to Tampa. You guys, you, you fans know what happened in that game. And um, so we took our full allotment of days to kind of think about what we wanted to say. And I think I think we're finally ready to talk about it. Well, you know, with the, with the way this season's gone, I think everybody kind of needs a mental break from the pain and suffering every weekend. So definitely good to be back. But so we got some much needed rest and downtime to think about just how we're going to attack what the Saints are going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's I don't want to like use hyperbole too much, but I kind of described it as one of the worst coaching performances I've ever witnessed. Um, and I know a lot of people put stuff on Ingram, you know, again, by the way, let's just get into it. We're not going to, we're not going to skip anything. Let's talk Saints Bucks. Saints lose 17, 16. Um, again, I, I don't know how you really found a way to lose that game. That's been a theme this year, but I think we took it to new heights on Monday night. Um, you know, look, the bottom line is, is also that Tom Brady is that guy. You gave him a chance. He's going to do it as bad as the Buccaneers offense is. Um, and as poorly as Tom Brady played for much of that game, you know, if you keep giving him chances, he's not going to he's not going to miss out on those opportunities eventually. So regardless, um, I, I thought it was extremely disappointing. And I know Ingram kind of caught some slack because he ran out of bounds. It was a weird play. Was he hurt or, or not? You know, I don't want to get into all that. But I thought that you should have had that game put away so many separate times. I don't think that play matters as much as it, you know, seemed like it did. That was my take on the Ingram situation. Um, okay. Never going for it on fourth down. Like, you know, analytics exists for a reason. I think Sean Payton was one of the coaches that embraced this early on. Um, aggressiveness is kind of a necessity in today's league, in my opinion, especially, you know, when you're playing and, you know, playing on house money, so to speak, like the Saints should have been playing in this game. They repeatedly punted on fourth and short, you know, not only fourth and short, but fourth and short in advantageous situations across midfield. Um, so I thought that was kind of ridiculous. Kirk Merritt being the only receiver on the field on a few packages, especially the third and shorts, where then you're throwing off play action. Like, what did you think the defense was going to be that fooled that they weren't going to cover him and he was come going to come open? I mean, look, no, no disrespect to Kirk Merritt. He'd been on the roster for what three days. Um, so I'm just going on and on, Mason. Feel free to stop me at any point. But I, I just felt like the coaching. That was what I took away from that. I think you had the players to win the game. You were the better team, and you just, you know, like so many times this year, you let it get away. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate. It's it's kind of what I've been preaching all year, and I think now it's all coming to fruition. Everyone's starting to realize it. This is a poorly coached team. Dennis Allen is not a good NFL head coach. I'm over it. I'm overseeing Dennis Allen every week. And personally, I do not think – and. I hate to be like this. I hate to crucify someone, but I don't think Dennis Allen is deserving of another shot at head coach. I think he's he's shown his colors at this point. He's shown what he can do, and it's not good. With the Raiders, just poor, just horrible. Now, that was a bad roster, but what's the excuses with this roster? This team is built to win. Obviously, we're weak at quarterback, but there's no reason the drop-off between this last season and this year, there's no reason that should happen. And to bring up the Ingram play, you know, it, the problem I have with that, and it, it's horrible because I do feel bad for Mark Ingram, and he shouldn't have been in on that play. Why is an injured Mark Ingram in on that play at all? 
Sure, do I think he could have fall, like, fallen forward and gotten an extra yard? Yes. But that starts up top. He should have never been in at that point of the game. I mean, you saw how hurt he was on the sideline as he stumbled out. It was bad. And the fourth down situation, let's just call it like it is. The Saints this year are playing not to win games. They're playing to try not to lose, basically. They're playing with no heart. Sean Payton, like you brought up, I saw a good stat the other day, and I can't you know, completely analyze the numbers. But the amount of time Sean Payton goes, like, went for it on fourth down plays in specific positions, you know, or uh, field goals, stuff of that sort, any kind of points being put up on the board, whereas Dennis Allen, let's just punt it off. We're just going to play not to lose, guys. Play with some heart. Play with some fire. Coach with some fire. Do something. This team needs a spark. Yeah, and I fear that that's, you know, that's kind of gone um, at this point, um, the spark and, and whatever you want. I think this team has kind of um, accepted their fate, and I think they kind of did in the last four minutes of that game. They accepted their fate of being a team that's going to miss out on the postseason, um, a team that has a lot of questions to be answered. Of course, we'll get into that. And I think, you know, you said you, you don't want to criticize Dennis Allen too much, and I don't think you did. I don't think we have. I feel like we've been pretty fair um, on this podcast. Yeah, um, definitely. And I, I don't – Again, I'm not saying it's it's over for him because I, I there's a very real chance, and we'll get into that a little bit. Some of the rumors out there, there's a very real tra- chance that he's back next year. I think um, you know the front office maybe has more faith in him than we do, and maybe they think that it's you know the reason for the lack of success is due to some other factors, and that's fair. And if that's going to be the decision, then look, we're going to go with it. But um, yeah, I, I thought the Buccaneers game was kind of a obviously it was a microcosm of our season, and. Um, there's just a, there's just a lot of things. The one last thing I want to bring up with that game is Alvin Kamara's usage and utilization is, is what really continues to confuse me more than anything. And we don't have to get into all of it because we've already talked about it at great lengths at times on this pod, but where's the creativity to Kamara? And, you know, I brought it up with Kirk Merritt because from an X's and O's standpoint, that's what it feels like to me sometimes is like this coaching staff is is getting so cute with it. They're trying to outsmart the opposition so much. They're like, oh, well, if we throw Kirk Merritt in a power package at receiver, they're not even going to consider us throwing the football and that'll give us an advantage. It seems like they're doing that with Kamara. They're not getting him the football and then they're running the same plays that they used to run with Kamara and the same looks with Ingram. Like they're running these clever little screen designs and these swing routes and they're running it to Ingram. And it's like in my, the only thing I can justify it in my head is them think, thinking, well, they know how good Kamara is. They won't expect us to run this play with Ingram, but it's like the only reason those plays were so effective is because of the talent that Kamara has. And so the ability or the lack thereof to continue to get Kamara utilized. I mean, remember when Alvin Kamara was one of the best downfield receiving threats at the running back position. I mean, wheel routes up the sideline breeze would hit him on that throw that little, I mean, you guys know the throw breeze throws it before he even kind of turns up the field. The linebacker never gets his head around and Kamara makes a play for 25 yards. Like those are the types of things like Andy Dalton's capable of making those throws. He's 100% is. Um, and you don't see those. And so that's, that is the biggest problem I have with the offense and with what Carmichael's done overall this year, just lacking the creativity with our best player on offense. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate that it, it's kind of the same message we've been really, like you said, we know we've been preaching about this. This this offensive staff just seems to come out every week and throw something against a wall and see if it sticks. Pretty much, I mean, when in doubt, you get the ball in your playmaker's hands. Now, I will say it. It seems like 
you know, the days of Kamara being that elite threat downfield, those feel so long, like so long lost. It's been a while, and that can be attributed to this offense as a whole. But I want to get into this later too, but something that this team needs to do is the running back room needs to be looked at very seriously, and we need to get a lot younger. But this offensive staff just doesn't seem to know how to put it together. And like you said, why are you running these plays with Mark Ingram? Like, you cannot tell me if we place Alvin Kamara in that exact same situation, I don't care who is covering him, that he cannot fall forward for another yard, if not bust up the scene, you know, bust down the sideline and possibly turn it into a bigger play. Yeah, and um, we'll see. You know, I think actually Alvin Kamara was asked today, um, and I forget, I wish I could attribute it to who asked him the question, but I think he was asked something about with the screen game, you know, the lack of screen usage. And he kind of just said something along the lines of, oh, you have to ask Pete Carmichael about that. Um, and so it's like that kind of shows you, in my opinion, like it's not like Kamarik went to the staff and was like, I don't want to be involved in creative ways on offense anymore. <laughs> like I just yeah, I can't really figure that one out. But you know what? Let's move on. Let's move on. Tampa was um, a disaster, but we had a bye week. I guess you could say it came at a good time. I don't know. I mean, only because you just had a week to kind of, you know, figure things out. But Andy Dalton is still starting quarterback. That's the first thing I want to bring up because we've kind of said it. You know, I, I truly felt like there was a time where Andy Dalton was the right guy in this situation that he was in with Jameis being injured and the team being in a pretty good spot. Um, I felt like that time came and gone um also the offense had a couple of games where they were you know pretty productive with him but they haven't been good in a while now I think we're like Dennis Allen has repeatedly said that it's not Andy Dalton and that he's done some great things and like I can understand that but at what at this point in the season especially this game specifically where now you're you know you're not mathematically out of it but you're pretty much out of it now what do you have to gain from Andy Dalton being your guy for the next month you know who Andy Dalton is. It's not like he's, you know, com- trying to compete for the starting job next year. I hope to everything that he's not the starting quarterback next season. <laughs> and while I'm not saying that Jameis Winston is the guy next year, I don't even think there's a great chance. You know, I'm not even saying above a 50% chance, but at least there's still this somewhat glimpse of hope with uh, with Jameis Winston, in my opinion, at least, that he could come out and show you something and really start to go, hey, maybe there is something here next year. Now, look, the other thing that's confusing to me is that it feels like Andy, you know, excuse me, Dennis Allen should be coaching these games with the idea that his job's on the line. But I guess maybe it's not because, again, we're starting to hear some rumors that Dennis Allen will be returning next year. I don't want to say that, you know, as, as, as any sort of thing that's been confirmed by the organization or anything like that. But we have heard some rumors of that. And so if that's the case, maybe that explains it if he's not feeling the pressure, if he's already been told he's coming back. But it just seems like you got to do something to switch things up with how stagnant the offense has been. There's got to be some sort of change. I, I don't understand it. And week after week, I see Dennis Allen come out to do kind of his normal, you know, weekly presser to start everything off. And it's the same thing every week. Andy Dalton's our guy. You know, I like what he's doing. I just tell him, you know, keep doing what you're doing. What exactly is, what has he done for us? That's exactly why we're in this this same, you know, position in this boat where this team has just fallen off the map and the wheels have fallen off, you know. And like you said, Andy Dalton's not horrible. I don't I don't believe that he's a horrible quarterback, but we we know what Andy Dalton is. Andy Dalton's been a player in this league for a long time now. We've seen his highs, we've seen his lows. 
And the past few weeks, we've seen some, you know, some really low lows. So why not at this point in the season, you know, like you brought up, we're not technically effectively knocked out of the playoffs yet, but I think we all kind of know what's happening. Why not just throw in, you know, throw a change out there. Why not see what it, see what it does with this team. And at this point you got to start looking at next year. Like you brought up. I mean, we're, we're not making the postseason. I just don't really see it happening. Why not see what Jameis has to offer? Hey, why not throw Taysom Hill out there? At least give us a little bit of, you know, some exciting content for the last few weeks. That's what I want. That's what I really, I really would like to see that. That would make me, that would make this season worth it for me. If we got more Taysom Hill as a starter, if his career record that still stands at what, three and one, if it could get to like five and two and you could have that forever, I would really like that. But Regardless, let's talk about another thing that came up. Cam Jordan and the Saints were fined significantly by the NFL for faking an injury um, that took place in the Bucks game. Um, I have a couple of strong opinions about this and kind of the precedent it sets forward, but I wanted to get your take on it first, Mason. Well, I think the Saints, we just happen to be the ones to get made an example of. You know, it just so happened to be us. Yeah, it's nothing new. Uh, you know, New Orleans Saints fans, and we don't like to sound like that where – you know, the league is always watching us, yada, yada, yada. But it, it's true. It happens. It is what it is. And it's I find it the funniest thing I think I find about this whole situation is that Cam Jordan is, in fact, on the injury report this week. And, I mean, he's trending towards playing. Nothing's confirmed yet. But the fact that he has been limited after this whole crazy allegation of faking an injury, I just find that so laughable. Now, I'm, I'm happy to see Cincinnati get dinged you know, in the same manner, not as much as us, which is why I, I, I call it, we're getting made, you know, an example of. So it, it's interesting and it's a shame. I just, I can't imagine Cam Jordan doing something like that, even though players do it all the time. It is what it is. Well, so that's, that's what I wanted to get into here. And, you know, look, I'm not saying I definitively know whether he was faking the injury or not. It obviously did look somewhat suspicious. I can understand why it was investigated. All that is fine. But my big thing here, and Cam Jordan has come back and basically kind of, you know, ex- like very strongly denied these allegations, said he was hurt. We've heard other people say he was hurt. Um, and look, if there's another situation where maybe he's a little bit injured um, and he's coming off the field and the, and the staff, and because I think part of the thing the league said was that the the sideline ordered him to do it. If he's kind of injured and they see that and he starts to come off the field, but the staff is, you know, saying, Oh, there's not gonna be enough time. And they tell him to go down. I don't think that's the same thing as the staff just randomly signaling in and going, Hey, sit on the ground, even though you're fine. And the big thing for me here is the league is focusing on player safety a lot recently. Right. And we're seeing that with concussion things. And this precedent where you're getting these significant penalties to an organization and a player kind of says something to me that could be dangerous in the future because let's say a player is hurt starts to go over the sideline then realizes wait if i go down right now or a says i'm not going to get there before the play starts i'm not going to get to the sideline and if i go down right now i know it's going to look suspicious and i might get fined so i'll just stay out here and then a player stays out and plays a play while significantly injured hope you know with maybe some situation arises where it's concussion like symptoms and now you're encouraging a player to play through that because they're afraid that they're going to get fined and hurt their team. I think that's a dangerous precedent for the league to set. And so if they're going to find teams and, and penalize teams, that's fine. I understand what they're trying to get out of the game. The fake injury thing is something that needs to be addressed, but you better be darn sure that it, you're right about it. If you're the league, in my opinion, and in this situation with Cam Jordan, it seems like maybe they weren't and maybe they acted too quickly and who knows, you know, I'm sure there's an appeal process and we'll find out later, but 
I just think overall it's a dangerous precedent to be setting, and uh, we'll see what the league does regardless of this. But, you know, moving forward with Dennis Allen, you know, possibly returning the Sean Payton sweepstakes uh, kind of got a little bit interesting last week when there was a report, I believe, from Jeff Duncan that, you know, kind of said Sean, Sean Payton would have the Saints near the top of his list when he wanted to return to coaching. Um, you know, I listened to him on a couple of podcasts this week. I've heard some of the comments he's made. He hasn't said anything definitive either way. Of course, he's not going to. Um, but if this report is true that Dennis Allen is likely to return and the Saints aren't going to get Sean Payton, that would be really upsetting to me because I feel like if he wants to come back, um, even if Dennis Allen and this team were able to make some strides down the rest of the way and, and, and make this team look a little bit better in the next month or so, if Sean Payton was available, I'd want him. And we talked about it earlier in the season. I think at that time it was more of a joke because there seemed like no realistic scenario. Now that we've had a couple more reports that kind of have implied that Sean Payton might be interested in returning, for me, I've, I've gone back to being all in. I want Sean back. Um, and I don't think it's likely, obviously, given all these situations. I just, you know, I struggle to sit here and, and, and look at the possibility of Sean Payton maybe being willing to, you know, in a situation where he was willing to return, but the Saints organization says, no, we're going to stick with Dennis Allen, and Sean Payton goes somewhere like the Chargers or the Cardinals and wins three Super Bowls. That's the scenario I dread, and I, I really fear that it's something that could happen. Well, let me tell you this. The, the, the things that I would do for Sean Payton to be back as a head coach of this team, you know, like you brought up, the reports now, are, it's kind of conflicting. We were joking about it early on in the season. But I, I, If Sean Payton were to want to come back, I would open him, I would welcome him back with open arms. And I'll tell you this, I, if it comes down to a financial situation, I don't see Miss Gale being outbid for Sean Payton. I don't see that happening. So I think if he truly does want to come back and, you know, it's a possibility, hey, to the trade, you know, possibilities that we had in mind, that's fine. They can disappear if we can get Sean Payton back. Now, the question that brings, and it's a big question mark, what happens with Dennis Allen at that point? Do you go ahead and demote him back to defensive coordinator or do you tell him pack his bags and, you know, head out into the sun into the sunset? That, that's going to be a big question mark, but I certainly would take Sean Payton back, although it would be really nice if we could sit through another year of Dennis Allen, possibly acquire you know a top top first-round pick, draft Caleb Williams, and pair that with a Sean Payton return. <laughs> well, that is the thing. I, I kind of thought about that because you know what, what Sean has said has been that he would consider returning this year or next. I'm assuming when he says this year, he means – next year and then he's referring to the year after that right because obviously he wouldn't be coming back to be an interim coach or something like that so if he were yeah that that is maybe the best situation possible right if he's willing to wait another year if he doesn't see you know maybe the chargers opening doesn't fit his eye you know the other openings around the league don't really work out because that's another thing he's kind of mentioned in some of his comments is that you know it takes the right opening and for him i think it really matters the you know the structure of the organization and kind of the amount of control he would have and things like that so yeah, you go through another year. I mean, look, I don't want to sit through another losing season regardless. Um, I sat through enough of those throughout the uh, early part of my Saints fandom. But if that's what it took to all of a sudden give me Caleb Williams and Sean Payton in the 2024 season, yeah, I'd be all for it. Regardless, that was the bye week, and this is Atlanta Falcons hate week. We faced the Falcons for the second time this season. Um, and I put, you know, on, on our outline together, I put one headline on this. I never in all caps want to lose to the Falcons, um, you know, because this game is something that obviously the season's kind of over. 
in our view at least. Uh, we don't have a draft pick on the line, so that makes it a little bit different. There's no consequence for winning this game, but I never want to lose a game to the Atlanta Falcons, and that includes this Sunday. Listen, if there's any way we can salvage this season, it'll be saying that we swept the Falcons for the In year. In our worst season, uh, yeah. Exactly. That, that's all I can ask for. And, you know, I will say to be, you know, on a more sobering note, does it not feel like that week one victory over Atlanta just seems so, so far away, so long ago? I mean, that was arguably the peak of this season, and it's just crazy to see how far this team has come since then. Or I should should say how far this team has fallen since then. But definitely, if there's one thing I can ask for this team, go out there and beat Atlanta this week. Yeah, and, and the funny thing about that game you mentioned, that first game, is how much we were willing to push aside and not worry about uh, all the signs in that first half of of us being a bad football team. Then we come back and win it, and everyone around the fan base. I mean, we did. I'm sure we could go back and listen to our episode of the podcast. We were like, oh, we're fine. I mean, here we go. We're back. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then the next week we look the same way and you're like, well, but you know, that second half against Atlanta, like we're fine. Um, but yeah, that was kind of a, a sign of things to come and we didn't want to believe it, but either way. Yeah. The, the saints also have something that they're going to do for the second time this year. And that's face a rookie quarterback. Um, Desmond Ritter's going to make his first NFL start. It, it looks like here on Sunday and you know, look, Desmond Ritter, a guy that I'm plenty familiar with uh, from his days in Cincinnati. I watch a good amount of the American Athletic Conference, um, a very talented player, a guy who I think has a future in this league. I think it's going to take the right pieces around him, which, of course, that's most quarterbacks. Um, but the Saints should, in theory, have a great opportunity defensively to go after a guy who doesn't have much experience, who's not on a great team in the first place. Well, you know, in normal instances, that would be the case. But as we've seen over the years, the Saints do happen to struggle against rookie quarterbacks. I'll say Kenny Pickett just a few weeks ago. I mean... Jalen Hurts last year? Yeah. Maybe uh, two years ago. I think it was two years ago, yeah. yeah. But it's always kind of a weird thing. I don't know if it's just not having the film on them or whatnot. But we always seem to struggle now. With saying that, I think the Saints defense should go out and rattle Ritter this week. I, on the other hand, don't think Ritter's that talented of a quarterback. I mean, we'll see. It, Like you said, it depends on the right pieces, the right system. But then again, with all those things said, any quarterback can flourish with the right pieces and system around him, you know. So it, it'll be interesting to see, and it'll be interesting to see how this defense handles Atlanta as a whole. Yeah, and the Saints do get some help. It looks like Pete Werner's going to return this week. Um, that's a big boost, of course. He was on his way to a potential all-pro caliber season. I thought he was fantastic. We mentioned that um, throughout the year. So getting him back should be a nice boost. You're getting healthier overall. We mentioned there are certainly some guys listed on the injury report, but overall the defense is fairly healthy. We'll see about Lattimore. It doesn't look like necessarily that he's going to play. I, I don't know if you're going to see him again this season. Um, if things, especially if... If you start looking mathematically eliminated, I'm not sure you risk putting him back out there. But regardless, um, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, and yeah, I, I'm still interested in watching this game just because it is the Falcons. It is one of the best rivalries in the league. Um, let's go matchup of the week here. I'll, I'll go first. I kind of have what we just talked about. I have the Saints D and I have a little uh, important note there. Dennis Allen included, you know, his schemes and his ability to kind of set this defense up against the rookie Desmond Ritter. Um, you you did make Kenny Pickett look competent in that football game, and 
it was surprising because you felt like this is an t- opportunity for this defense to really just flourish, and they didn't. You know, they they struggled to get off the field, and while it wasn't a huge point total that Pittsburgh put up, they kind of dominated the progression of that game, right? So I want to see this defense kind of come out and dominate. And again, when you talk about Dennis Allen and his coaching abilities and his struggles and you know trials and tribulations this season, um, this is the spot where his team should excel without any sort of exception. Like you should be able to shut down this Falcons offense. They should score less than 20 points 100% of the time on Sunday. And in my opinion. Um, And so that's, that's what I want to see. Let's see if they're up for the task. And um, you know, I'm not going to say I'll give Dennis Allen, you know, I'll put my confidence back in him, but this is something for me. I got to see his defense really show up on Sunday. For sure, for sure. And it's it's interesting because my game pick actually kind of goes hand in hand with you. It's going to be the Saints defense, but more specifically, how this defense stops the run this week. If you remember week one, the Falcons just gashed us. I believe it was almost 200 yards rushing. You know, Cordell Patterson had a day. And to this day, I mean, the Falcons actually have an extremely potent rushing attack, you know, with that three-headed backfield with Patterson, Huntley, and Algier. So it, that's going to be certainly interesting because I really am concerned that if we cannot stop the run, we might be in for a bad day with Ritter possibly, you know, kind of tearing up the secondary if we can't stop the run. So, yeah, I mean, our game picks, like I said, they go hand in hand. So it's really going to be a lot of focus on the defense. But at the same time, the defense can only do so much. What is Andy Dalton going to do this week? That's true. And that's fair. Um, so, Let's go ahead and pick it. Why not? Um, I I went back and forth on my score here. I, I am going to pick the Saints to win because I've said this a couple of times this year. There's there's certain situations, and this is one of them, where I truly can't see the Saints losing this football game. As bad of a team as we are, I can't see it. And I could be wrong because I have been before, but I feel like this defense, the guys that are healthy and back now against a rookie quarterback at home, you know, backs against the wall, they have been for a while. That hasn't seemed to help you. But offensively, you should be able to have some sort of success. Atlanta's defense is not a top defense. So I think they're going to win the game. I have 23-12 to 12 as my score. Again, I said, you know, 100% the Saints should give up less than 20 points in this in this football game. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, I say they do even better than that. I say they only give up 12, mostly just field goals for Atlanta. So that's what I have, 23-12. to 12, But I've been wrong before. Okay, well, interesting. I'm going to actually be kind of close with you. I'm going to go ahead and take the Saints, you know, which I've done quite a bit this season, hence the horrible record on picks. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and take the Saints 24-10. I think we, you know, Atlanta maybe scores early in the game, and after that we just kind of shut them down and effectively, you know, eliminate them. And I will go the extra mile and say this. I think Taysom Hill finds the end zone this week and possibly throws a touchdown this week. I don't know. It's just feeling like a Taysom Hill blow-up game. It's been a while, you know, since that Seattle game. I'm feeling it. Well, I hope you're correct. And one more caveat to throw in there. I will be in attendance for the first time this season for a Saints game. So maybe I can turn the momentum. Maybe I can be the difference. And if we win this game, next week's pod is 100% going to be me talking about uh, being the reason for the victory. So what you're saying is, is if the Saints do, in fact, win this week, We've got to get you season tickets next year. 100%. That's what I'm saying. That'll be the case. Okay, well. And hopefully we get it done. Uh, Hopefully we get it done. Maybe I I might even have to throw the Taysom Hill jersey on. 
for this one. If, since you're making the call, you're making the big call there that he's getting in the end zone. So is that putting too much pressure though? You know what? Maybe that's what this team needs. You know, they say pressure, pressure makes diamonds. So, you know, Miss Benson, if you're out here and you're listening to us right now, you know, we've got our co-host here. And if he wins, you know, the Saints win this game with him in attendance. You, you got to hook it up. got to hook it up for your guy. Absolutely. <laughs> with all that being said, this was a fun one to kind of get on, let off some steam. I feel a little bit better talking about that Bucks game, getting it off my chest. Um, was glad we got it. We were able to do it. Uh, we've only got a few more of these this year, um, and hopefully they're mostly of the happy variety. Hey, hopefully the Saints, you know, go out and shock us, win four games and put some pressure on the Bucs and maybe sneak into the playoffs. We will see. But with that being said, uh, this has been episode 13 of the Dome Zone podcast. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter. It's at the Dome Zone with two E's in zone. Is that still right, Mason? Yes, sir. That is correct. So that is the Twitter. We're going to be a little bit more active on there as well, uh, kind of interacting on game days and things like that. So, all that being said, for Mason Nunes, I'm Dawson Eisler signing out, thanking you for listening.